Bills, write another set of tunes and do the exact same thing I just did. You okay. know, just, yeah, write, but only better tunes. Right. right. <laughs> and better playing. Better playing, right. And, and in general, better, yeah, know, better mix. Better, better mix, better everything. Right. Last, I don't know if you've done a blues album. Have, have you done, how many blues albums have you done? I mean, really only one really straight ahead blues album. I think that's the one I listened to. I was blown away. Where what, Dog line. Party? Yeah. Yeah, that's the, that's the only oh my God, straight dude. ahead blues record. That was right. just sick, really sick blues playing. I, was, I like, mean, I'd like to do it again, but I don't want... I don't want to, um, there's a reason I did that, because Tribal Tech was going, I wanted an outlet to do that. Right. You know? Now, Tribal Tech's gone, and, and I can do anything I want now. Yep. So if I make a straight-ahead blues album, it's sort of like I'm saying, like, it's a... It's, a, it's what you're into. Yeah, and yeah. it's not. You're not into it at all? No. Not enough to do a whole thing, not enough to do a blues record like that again. So you wouldn't do a blues album, you wouldn't even consider a blues album with like guest vocalists or anything like that? Uh, no. I, I'm not into it enough. Yeah. I, I, the reason I was so into blues at that time is because I was so dicking around with tribal tech and all the really super, super technical music and technical recording with MIDI and Simpty and sinking and synths going in the mix and yep. I was like get me out of this nightmare you know what I mean I just wanted to go in and do something like turn on the tape hit the guitars and play and just like it used to be in the 70s you know right now you know like I, I'm not bummed out by the way I record now you know right? it, it, it would feel like I'm going backwards if I did that really yeah yep you know, because I can still do blues on a, you know, I can do a couple blues tunes on a new record. Yeah. I probably will. Yep, yep. Yeah, you know, or bluesier. Yeah. But I don't think I would do a whole blues record. Because it's, it's just, you're not, you're just not there. Nah. Nah. I know I would make a lot of money if I did. Right. Oh, thank you. Sure. I just want to go there again. Take that or still yeah, go ahead and take it. Good, thanks. And, you know, the thing is that what made that album unique was the, the, the thing about the dogs, where like all the vocals are being sung by dogs. You know, it's like dogs singing the songs, right? So it was really a unique concept for the record. I couldn't come up with a concept like that that's that unique again, you know? And that's what made that record kind of special. And right. I could never do that again. You know, it's yeah. sort of like it's been done. Have what a cow party. Do? Yeah, cow party. You know, I can't. I can't. I don't want to do dog party Have a too. Party. Another another album that's like another like remake of a bad of, of a movie. Have a pussy party. Pussy party. And you got cats and then you put some women on it. Oh, there you go. <laughs> That'd be great. I'd listen to that. Just the name alone would probably be party. It'd go viral. <laughs> I would. Did you record all that? Yeah. Good. <laughs> Hey, you haven't done a blues album. No, I've never done a blues album. I'd want to do like all Jews, you know, 
You'd have to get the smile again. You'd have to get the smile thing again. Lose for juice. Yeah. And then you could have like um, some rabbis come in and sing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, it would all be about being depressed, not really the blues. <laughs> <laughs> Because uh, we know white people don't get the blues. We no. Get, we get depressed. <laughs> I take pills for that. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's always fun. Really, man. <laughs> I probably screwed up your playing. Yeah. Well, it'd be hard to screw it up any more than it already is. You know, I'm very good at screwing up my own playing. You know what I mean? I've never found anybody as good at screwing up my playing as me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I made a whole career out of that. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I get something good going and I fuck it up, man. Self-sabotage. It's like, it's like, you know, when people ask you, like, you know, what, what record do you like to listen to the most of yours, you know? Right. And I like, you think I enjoy listening to my own shit? <laughs> like, me too. It's like, all I hear is like, bad decisions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, bad decisions, this shit, you know? Oh, God. It's everything, like, everything. From, it's for other from, uh, from playing the Sonic to musicals to everything. Everything. It's you for know. other people who enjoy. Right. You know, if they can. And you know, I like it as much when they hate it, you know. It's really because a lot of the reasons I play this music is just to get back to my parents. <laughs> I hear a few good moments here and there, you know, that I'm proud of. Well, and then something bad always happens about 30 seconds right. after that. Right. It's, it's like, it's the old, you know, victory lap syndrome. You know what I mean? It's like you, you do something really good and you want to like take a victory lap, you know, or you like, you put your hands up in the air and go, yeah, and then that's the moment you just shit the bed. Yeah. You know what I mean? Music is just a succession of little victories followed by major disasters. <laughs> But don't you, you know, guys, don't you guys listen back to it and go, all right, that was pretty badass tone, or you get yes, excited about I mean, that? Sometimes, yeah, yeah. Right? Sure. Every now and then, especially if I've been drinking, or, <laughs> or, or, if, I'm caught, or, or, or if I'm caught by surprise, and right. I think it's somebody else. Right. And, listen, and then you so have to listen. Since I heard it. Right. Okay. I'll think like, wow, that guy got a lot of shit from me, or wow, I didn't realize, I must have, stole, I must have heard this cat and stolen a bunch of shit from him, you know. Those kind of, like when you hear, you know, a record 20 years later, that kind of stuff, it's like, wow, this wasn't so bad, because, I mean, I'm remembering it, it's just this horror thing, that it, it, you know, just this basic one hour long receptacle of humiliation, you know? <laughs> Some guy asked me on my message board if I think I'm a good musician, and I said, yeah, for about 30 seconds at a time. Yeah. <laughs> really good for 30 seconds and I'm bound to play something to mess that 30 seconds right, up. Right, right. Exactly. <laughs> My point. You know what I mean? A succession of victories followed by disaster. Right. You know. <laughs> right. But I have learned one thing is to not trust myself when I'm playing because a lot of times I'm, I'm up there thinking that it sucks and then I listen to it later and think and, and think it wasn't nearly as bad as I thought it was. But then again, the opposite is true too. Where you're right. up there, you're thinking you're just killing, and you hear it later, and you go, "Oh my god, that's horrible!" <laughs> right? And, but the, the, you know, I mean, in all my years, I've learned one thing. Unfortunately, that's not enough. <laughs> really, I mean, you listen to something and you thought it was killing. It sounds like shit to you. You thought you thought it was horrible. 
it really sounds good to you. And the only reason is, is basically at this stage of the game, we're pretty fucking consistent. Yeah, so yeah, it's just yeah. really what your what your expectation for it to sound like is. That, that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, you know what, though? When I listen sometimes to, to my favorite players, right, or my favorite tunes from the past, yeah. some of the mistakes are my favorite parts. You know? There's a, like a, a complete missed note or a glitch or a string falling out from under the fingers. And I go, I'm in love with that. Right. That's what makes it good to me, right? So I'm imagining that when people hear me make mistakes, they're going to say the same thing because that, that whole solo caught them by surprise. So they learn to love it as is. And they don't mind it. You know, whereas when I listen to it and I'm hearing myself do it, I don't like it. But the listener hears it in a completely different way. Right. So you can't... Yeah, but you've got yeah, much really. nicer fans than I do. <laughs> <laughs> when I fuck up, all my fans go, great, you did it again. They're just, no, you right. know, it makes them feel better about themselves. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And, you know, and they just want to be able to say bad things about me, and so I'm giving them reasons to. So you know, I need to cultivate a better clientele, I think. It's really <laughs> there you go. But I, isn't guitar fans in general pretty much the worst musical fans you can have? Because they're so critical. Well, the first thing, they're all guys. That's yeah, that's right yeah, there. That's, you got a problem. Yeah, you got a problem yeah. already. Yeah. So the, the front row of all your concerts are guys. Yeah. Yeah. No, not all my concerts. Lately, I've been cultivating a female. I'm getting in touch with my female side. Just playing some some songs that they playing songs they like. I'm playing the ways they like. You know. Definitely, uh, you know, that banana in my pants is helping. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I do when I when I get on stage to see that there's the whole front row section is all guys. I go, close your eyes, guys. I'm going to turn all you guys into one hot chick. <laughs> and they close their eyes, and I play a little bit of Careless Whisper. <laughs> right? Yeah. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, <laughs> you know. Then I'll play a little bit of uh, 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 Isn't She Lovely, oh, right? Oh, man. And if that doesn't work, and, I, and if I go, well, if that doesn't work, then I go, well, you dudes are just way too manly. If you're immune <laughs> to Stevie Wonder, yeah. it's just not going to work. Yeah. <laughs> so I have to get used to playing in front of like 40 guys in the whole front section. Right. Not easy. No, you, you, you're, I got to hand it to you. Your, your shit is way more... Even as, as guy oriented as my side of the things is, you 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 kick ass. I know. Mine's you kick more. Ass. Mine's more. I know you win on that, man. You, got, you, you get you get the balls. Of trophy. Guys do bring their girlfriends. That's yeah, the but the first date is what on your. For me, I get like maybe a second or third date. That's that's the difference in our music. Oh, I might get a guy to bring a chick on. His, they'll have their third or fourth date, and she'll come back maybe once or twice with him. It's well, just the first date. Actually, the music that I'm playing in my band is way more groove-oriented than what I used to play, like with Tribal Tech. Right, right. Like with Tribal Tech, you'd have girls running out screaming. You know? <laughs> right. with, with this band, you know, with Alan and Travis, the way they groove, right. and everything is so pumped, and most of it's in 4-4, that even if it's a little harmonically complex, you know, most of the women, you can see that they're moving and they're digging it. You know, right. so they probably would come back. No, I'm I, saw seeing last, girls. I yeah. saw your last gig, and other than your wife and daughter, there were a, a lot more women there than I thought. Yeah, yeah, we get some girls. You know, I just got to say, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like, you know, 
it was way beyond what the normal yeah. baked potato food consumed. But see, the thing is, that's the thing about fusion. A lot of it, when you get into the kind of fusion that's odd meter, then all of, that that completely drives the women out because oh they God, can't. Yeah. They they don't relate to. First of all, there's no vocals, so you've already got a mark against you there. Right. Then if it's not in four and they can't groove to it, then that's the second mark. And then if it's melodically really, really like lots of fast lines and stuff like that, harmonically, then they're out of there, you know. So my and music loud. is super loud. And loud, you know. Right. I got the loud thing happening for sure. I mean, at least medium loud. Well, and the music cool. is kind of melodic and kind of, you know, it's, I guess, the hardest thing would be the harmony. Right. There's some harmony there that, you know, and no vocals, of course. So, I watched... That, I watched some that. Virgil Donati stuff last night. Oh, Jesus. It was in Brazil. Oh, my God. He's and the women chaser of all time. And... <laughs> I mean, not he chases women. I mean, women run from his music. Oh, my God. It was... It was... It was a new the, version of the word, term woman chaser. <laughs> yeah, that's a new version of woman chaser. And, and, you know, we guitar players really pretty much have that market corner. Right. But his music was just so... It was... It was mathematics. It was just unbelievable. It is mathematics. I mean, he's he's incredible what he does, but damn, it was... I saw a drum clinic oh. of his, and I have to say, it was actually very impressive. Right. Like, I, I, I walked out, and it was actually not just impressive, but interesting. I was interested. Like, it caught my... Yeah. It really caught my interest in what he's doing, how he's doing it. I found it very interesting. Right. Not that I'd ever want to play a gig with him. <laughs> you know, but I found what he does interesting. Right. You know, it just doesn't fit anywhere, anywhere close to my my concept of music. But but um, it's amazing. You know, you got to give it to him. It's technical. Oh yeah, it's, just, it's it's incredible. It's insane. But, I'm sure uh, it's just boring boy, sitting on full four. Can you imagine him. playing a James Brown tune with that guy? <laughs> oh my God. That'd yeah. Be it would be bad. Just that bad. would be great to see James Brown and Virgil. Like, no, because James Brown would kill Virgil. Yeah, he that's, would but that's what him. would make it interesting. Yeah, that's going to be a great show. <laughs> that's a reality TV show right there. There's a reality show. Well, yeah. you know, I, a lot of times I feel like playing on the bandstand is like that big survivor. You know, who's going to be the last guy on the band? <laughs> right. <laughs> the last guy playing music. You know, I, a lot of feel like jazz is, is a lot like that. Right. It's like survivor. I'm sure, I'll take some more of that. <laughs> but, um, is that? Can we get some? Is, is this mine? That's yours. Okay. So uh, you know, yeah, you know. I mean, maybe maybe it's starting to become more like Survivor for the audience than actually on the bandstand. Yeah. It's sort of switch. It used to be a bandstand thing. Yeah. Right. Now it's more like an audience thing. We vote. We just basically so you, run them off the island instead of voting them off. <laughs> <laughs> You've never had a symbol thrown at your head. No, oh, what? And, no, no, and actually, that's all mythology. Guys yeah. did throw symbols, but not like odd job. <laughs> right. I mean, let's face it. You're, if you're a drummer, I don't, I don't know how many drummers you hang out with, and it's, I hope it's not too many. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, 
but like they they treat their symbols like we treat our guitars. I mean, symbols are you know you, it's not like you can just go to the store and get a good symbol. No, they go to the factory and play like five hundred of them. Those are babies. They get one they kind of like, and by the and it only really gets good after they play it for like twenty years. You right. know what I mean? So for a guy to take a symbol and throw, and throw it. it across the room, just because they want to make a point about somebody who they don't even care about, yeah. who's not even playing. <laughs> you see what I mean? This is it a little happen. disconnect. Can I just I've heard, of and of course, and of course, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about, but I have heard as well that he would just drop it to make a, like a gong crash sound to right. like stop the guy, like you know, like we would gong somebody. Right, right. You know, but just throw your symbol, try and hurt somebody, and to ruin your symbol, and have to, and then he's got no symbol. He's got to walk across the stage and go get it. Because let's face it, if he threw the symbol at you, you're not going to hand it back to him, right? And if you do, you're going to shove it up his ass, right? Exactly. He ain't going to be able to play with that fucking thing if he throws it at me. I'm telling you right now. I saw that actor the other day at um, Roma Cafe in Studio City. Um, he walked past me, and I wanted to. <laughs> you switch. Who are you talking about? The the guy that was the main the teacher in that movie. Oh, that guy. Yeah, Whiplash. Oh, yeah. J.K. Yeah. Simmons. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I was talking about just, you know you know Jones. Yeah. Yeah. The real guy who's supposedly the guy who did it. Right. If you walked by him, you were at the wax museum because he's gone. <laughs> you know how dumb that movie. I mean, that movie is so. I mean, not that it's not a great film, and not that he's not a great it's actor. It's entertaining. But if anybody did that to a real student, they'd be in jail for assault. Oh like my the first God. day. They'd right, be right. Su- their parents would sue the guy. It was like, abuse. It could have happened in Russia, maybe, or Cuba. Wouldn't happen here. But in the United States, there's no chance of how you could pull any of that no, shit off. You wouldn't be as much as no, you'd right. like and, to. And, you know, and yeah, and like thinking in terms of okay, do the ends justify the means? Which is basically, I think, the concept of that movie. Right. I might be wrong. I was laughing so hard through most of it, I might have missed a lot of it. But um, you know, do the ends justify the means? That's a great little concept. We've only seen that since Shakespeare. You know, I mean, we can deal with that. Uh, you know, the rest of it, it was so far-fetched and stupid and bullshit, and the guy was hurting himself more than he was hurting other people, which is really stupid. And then and then when he had his gig, he played some of the saddest shit I ever heard. <laughs> and I'm going, I, you know, and one thing I know about students, because I've got a lot of them, is they got bullshit protection. Man. Right. They got sensors that they, you know, if you, really, it's hard to teach a kid if you can't play. Right. Because they just dismiss you. Even though, you know, like I had, I had teachers that were great, but I could play better than them. Right. And I didn't give them the respect that they deserved. Really? No, really. really? I was a shithead. Right. I mean, they tell me something about my play, and I'm like, I'm like wiping them off. You know, right. I'm wiping them out. Well, it's you know, hard and, to. And yet, at the same time, I think back now, you know, a lot of that information I have very much taken in. But at that moment, my first reaction was, "You can't fucking play. What are you talking yeah. about?" You know what? And that's and that's so true because even if they have a lot to teach you. If you don't respect them, it's very hard to take what they're saying seriously because when they're you're not young. putting into action. Yeah, when you're young. When you get older and you realize, oh, yeah. good information oh, doesn't you, have to yeah, come from exactly. right. the sources exactly. you expect. But when you're young, what you care the most about is how they play. And, and you go, no matter how good the teacher is and no matter how much you're learning from him, you have this certain disrespect because you know you play better than him. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, only a, only a punk kid would think that way, but I was the same punk kid. I think anybody I teachers who really that didn't, I didn't respect. Right. You I know? think anybody who's really good is a punk kid by, by nature because you have to be like super yeah. arrogant and believe in You have yourself. to have a little bit of swagger, you know what I mean? You have to in order to, sure. to really... 
get up and do that shit against the adversity that we deal with while we're playing, especially when we're young and you know, no one gives shit and no one respects us. You right. Know? I mean, you have to have some of that or you just ain't gonna make it. Right. You're just gonna get squashed by a teacher. A teacher like that will squash you and turn you into a pussy. It's just what will happen. Yeah, it's really true. There, there was a there was a lot of times where I would listen to my teachers and I'd hear them play and I'd go, how can they be a teacher when their time is so bad? Right. Right? But then I realized later that their time has nothing to do with what they're showing me. Right. But what they're showing me is a lot of great information. Or, what, or what they hear in you and criticize. Right. Because they don't necessarily have good time, with your example, doesn't mean that they can't hear that your time is Exactly. Well. That's right. Exactly. And like the same thing could be said of me as a teacher. You know, there's some guys that, that I've taught that play way, way better, like, straight-ahead jazz than I do, or, like, chord melody, way better than I do. But they're learning single lines from me. They're learning they're learning a different thing from me. And I know in the back of their head they're going, I can do a million things that he can't do, and he's my teacher. But I'm still giving them some valuable information. I'm sure they can dig it. But even though in the back of the mind, I'm, sh I'm sure they're saying, like, oh, this guy's lame. If they have a chance in the world, you know, that's, they have to think that way, really. Yeah. I mean, you want to almost encourage that kind of swagger in your students yeah. because of course. that's what they need. And they'll get the information, or they won't, and they'll figure it out, or they won't. It doesn't matter. You can't beat experience, right? I mean, that's no. what you, no, you get, you're get. you paying for. Well, it is, but there's and you a, can't teach that. You can't right. teach you it. You can't teach there's that. Only, there's only one thing that'll teach that, and that's hundreds of gigs. Right. You know, that they do and that they, they learn how to work with other people. They learn how to be a team player. They learn how to get up in front of the audience and not be scared because nervousness is the main enemy of music. Right. And if you're young and you're nervous, you're never going to do the kind of job a pro can do, an experienced Right, you, have, you know, you haven't gone through where, like, the intro, you need to do an intro, the intro didn't work out, you know, like, you, you missed a cue, you know, and you get humiliated by having missed that cue, you, you know, you play through something, you, you you think you're hearing one thing and you hear another and you react to it and you're wrong, I mean, all those humiliations that happen train you what the right thing to do in that situation, and it all becomes part of your just DNA, Yeah, yeah. and you're standing up there and things happen, and you know how to react to them because they're not new to you. And, right. You know, and so even if you are a little bit nervous, it doesn't matter because it's it's not new. It's not a new experience. It's not a first or second time thing that you don't have a bunch of tools with which to deal with. Right. right. And and you also just knowing from years of doing it, you know that if you do fuck up doily, you're gonna live and you're gonna fix it. You know what I mean? And you you know, and it's just it's it's actually a real teaching moment because all of us really the best stuff of our playing came from making mistakes not came from playing well you play your ass off you didn't learn dick right you just played great you walk home you maybe even pat yourself on the back you know and you're off to something else you suck and you go home and you fix what sucks right so sucking is actually a prerequisite for being good Okay. Well, I've sucked a lot in my time, so, so, so I'm so you I'm see, that's good. why you're so good. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys yeah, you, even you get nervous anymore? There's a difference getting good at sucking <laughs> and just getting good. I mean, the whole idea is taking that 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 
humiliation, that, that bad experience, and taking the information from that and fixing that and right. working on that and making it a strength of yours versus a weakness. Right. Of course, you can continue to suck all you want and you will stay there, you know? And that's why a lot of people get in trouble, is they kind of like suck and they say, well, I did the best I could, you know, and they let themselves off the hook. Yep. And then they wake up the next morning and they just keep sucking, you know? Whereas, I mean, the guy who sucks and says, I'm going to fix that tomorrow, is the one right. who is ultimately the better guy at the end of the race. Right. You know? do, you, do you guys even get nervous anymore? I don't. No. He takes drugs, though. Yeah. <laughs> I do. The drug stuff. I do. You nervous. get nervous? Every time I play, I get nervous. Really? But I mean, you know, maybe not the debilitating stage fright nervous that other people get. Uh, I get, yes, I get excited and Anxiety nervous. Anxiety a little and, bit. And like, this shit, and, and I'm moving my hands now, <laughs> this shit, playing this shit, is so, I can't think of it. I mean, there's just too much going on. If, 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 if like, for some reason, the magic, the part that just flows out of me, decided to stop working, right. there's no way I could, I could function. There's no way I could manipulate all of it intellectually to make it work. Right. And so there's a part of me that until I get on the stage and, and it starts flowing, I'm a little worried <laughs> that, that it's, it's not, not going to be there. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. it's magic. I don't understand really what it is. You know, all this stuff I just kind of understand on an intuitive level. Well, if that all blocks, I'm up there and I'm in trouble. <laughs> and so there's a little bit of that that's nervous and, it, and I really I care. I want this to be the best experience, not only for me and the cats I'm playing with, but for the audience too. Yeah, I yeah. really want that. So there's a certain amount of pressure I put on myself to deliver that. I try not to have expectations, but I still care. Yeah. So that nervousness is also part of giving a shit to me. Right. Yeah, but of course, once I start playing, it goes away. It goes away. Yeah. But yeah, natural. I think it's maybe when you first walk out on the stage, yeah. everybody feels a little bit nervous. But once you start playing, you start getting into the music, and you forget about what's going on in the audience's mind or whoever's listening to you. You know, you just you just play and have. That's actually the most relaxing part of the day, right. especially if you're on the road. Yeah, right. The the, the, the day is way more stressful than the gig. Yeah, usually. Making sure they. But another thing is work. like if you're if you're not if if for me, if I was nervous, I wouldn't take the risks that I take. People expect me to step on my dick when I play. That's why <laughs> that's that's what I want to do. Right. You know. That's why he has to wear high heels. If you yeah, I mean if you if if you go through the whole concert and only play what you know, that you know is safe, you know. Then you're gonna sound like one of those mamby pamby, you know, happy jazz guys. It just, it just, mamby pamby. You know, you're gonna sound like one of those, one of those guys that just play it safe all the time. They never take any risks, and therefore they never expand. They never, they never grow. I'm always taking risks all the time. And I don't know if some of the stuff I try is going to work. Some of it's not. Yeah. You know, if I was really nervous, I wouldn't try all that crazy shit. You know, I yeah. just play it safe. Yeah. And, and that's I, really boring. And that, well, you know, it might not be boring to the audience if they haven't heard me play every night. But for me, it's definitely if I go back to the hotel and know that I didn't play one new thing that I didn't play the night before, that's what I call a bad gig. Right. You know, because I, I don't feel like I'm pushing the envelope. 
You know, I need to push the envelope, even if the, even at the if, if, even at the uh, you know if, even if I sound bad when I do it, I'd, I'd rather take the risk. Right. You know? And I think people like it. Yeah. You know, they oh, want to yeah. see you up there doing stuff and trying stuff and failing. You know, because it's real. Yeah. You know, well, it's inspiring. Like it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the word nerves kind of first of all has a real bad connotation. Mm-hmm. And it has so it, that, that whole what that really is is energy, right? Yeah. And, and I mean the pressure I feel to wanting to be great, holding myself to a high standard, you know, wanting to be great—that's nervousness, um, you know. And and that makes me push beyond myself, you know. And I mean, I have students who, particularly at workshops, they'll come and play a song with me, and they're super nervous, right? And they go to play with me, and their reaction to that energy, which we call nervousness, is they shut their eyes and they shut their ears and they just like make sure that they keep their place and they play all their licks and, and then when they when they accompany me, they just basically play the chords because they, you know, play their hippest chords, you know, and they just, you know what I mean? And like, they don't even hear one thing I'm playing. Right. So their reaction to their nervousness is, is, is or that energy is a negative thing. Because what did they do? They had their one opportunity to play with me and they shut me out. <laughs> right? they, they, here they had me, who's way more experienced than them, and somebody they paid money to learn from, and they totally shut me out of the equation. Whereas their proper response to that energy was to do less and let me do more so they, and listen to me so they could learn from the experience and learn to feel what it feels like to play with my group. Hear what, you know, hear what happens when I play when they have to accompany it. It's like, you see what I mean? It's, it was just like an, a reaction to energy. If you look at nerves as energy and stop putting that negative connotation that we all have on it, it's really a cool thing because then you can direct the energy. Right. So you can take this thing we call nerves or that anticipation of getting on the bandstand and wanting to be good, and you can direct it into what Scott's talking about, which is that trying to make new shit happen all the time. Or you could direct that same nervousness and energy into like playing it safe and never doing anything new. So it's not really the nervousness. Right. It's the reaction to the energy. It's being comfortable with letting yourself fail and fuck right. up. That's right. right. That's what right. it is. Another thing too is like I mean I've seen you you play enough to know that you're I a fuck really up a lot. no. <laughs> I wasn't gonna say that. that. You're a really conversational player with the other guys in the band. You're, you know, of course some of your attention is on your guitar and on what you do, but a lot of your attention is on the conversation you're having with your bandmates. So, and that's how I am too. So, so the more energy you draw away from yourself and onto what's going around you, the less nervous you are. Right. Because it's not you're not channeling every single bit of energy into yourself and thinking, how am I doing? Look, how am I going to do this? I, I, I. How am I playing this? How am I playing that? Then you're. Then it's all about you. It's all about me. Right. You know. Of course, I'm going to be nervous if I think that way. Yeah. But yeah. if I get the attention away from me and get the attention on where it should be of playing music with my friends, yeah. then it's fun. Yeah. Then it's there, there's not as much stress doing that because I'm like, they're inspired by what I play. I'm inspired by what they're playing. There's a lot of smiling going around. There's a lot of that was cool. Yeah. You know, and, and, and then there's there's nothing to be nervous about anymore because you're having too much fun to be nervous. Yeah. Because yeah. you're playing with your friends. You know, it's a group activity. Yeah. Instead of like a classical concert where every note you play, <laughs> you're judging it 
you know, and you're your own judge, jury, and executioner. As soon as you play a note, you're like second guessing and thinking, oh, should I play it a little louder? Should I, maybe I hit that note too hard. Oh, no, that one note didn't come out clearly. Right. You know, like if you get into that headspace, you're just fucked. Yeah, that's you a know, bad you're gonna place to be. have a bad night. Yeah. You know? <laughs> that's the worst headspace to be in the world is where you're inspecting yourself while you're playing that's just the worst fucking place to be. really man yeah when you let go it just yeah you let go man just let those notes flow but, out but just observe. don't inspect them that doesn't man, mean you, you know. don't observe and keep track of it you know yeah, you because, remember it, because, well, because you, you're developing ideas first of all so there has to be a con- context in which you're playing so you're paying attention to it yourself because everything you play relates more actually to what you just played than what the chord change would be or what you know what the groove would be any really it's if you're going to think conversationally what just happened is what defines what happens next right so you have to be paying attention and you have to and when you're paying attention it's good for you to make note of what what's working and what's not more, more for like later when you go home and practice, yeah. like, oh, that was a cool idea I kind of got into last night. I'd like to find out what's more about that. You right. know, that's a subject I really want to get into deeply. Or I really went to play that last night and I really fucked it up. I'm going to like get it together. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. it was cool. I just didn't quite get to it. Because, you know, the stuff I hear, I'm always hearing beyond what I can do. Right. So my, my goal is to kind of catch up with that endless race that I'm going to lose. Yeah. And you're always going to remember mistakes. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I know that, that, that every day after a gig, I have a clear recollection of what I need to practice so yeah. I won't screw it up again. Right. There's always a little section in each tune that I went, okay, I don't want to do that again. I don't want to make that well, same do mistake. Do you just again. repeat it so it sounds like you meant it? Well, no, you know, okay. <laughs> I'm talking about more like heads. Right. No, 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 yeah. no, no, no but even heads. that, no, you know, that, that whole thing with Miles, you know, repeating it and, you know, I, I think that's cute and that's a great way to say it. And that's another bit of mythology. For me, when I do play what I want, like, to me, a mistake is when I play something, I, I thought I was going to play something and I played something different. Right. You know what I mean? I heard in my head and I'm following my ears and then I, my hands do something that my ears thought, you know, they didn't agree. And it's really jarring. Right. to be inside my head and hear that. <laughs> and, and the fact is, is what I played might have really sounded good. But because I was hearing something else, I really didn't hear it as well as I needed to. So I will oftentimes repeat those things just to hear exactly what my hands did on their own by accident. Right. And, then, and oftentimes I find that they don't sound like mistakes. They sound like a mistake to me because I didn't intend to hear that. But to an audience, I mean, those notes work well with the chords, you know, fit well in context with the sequence of melody that I was playing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. I would play something a second time just to hear it fully, you know, and like maybe have fall, you know, because a lot of what I consider my personal additions to the vocabulary of jazz came from that. Yeah, yeah. That's a good point, though. A lot of the stuff you play that you think are mistakes, they're not really mistakes in the real sense of the word. You right. Know? Because they still sounded good and they worked on a technical level. It's just not what you intended to play. So the audience would never call that never a mistake. Yeah. No, because it's not like a clam. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, it's not really a mistake. It's just 
you knew you wanted to play something different, so it's a mistake to you. So you can walk off stage and say, God, I made a lot of mistakes tonight. And the audience would go, where were they? I, I didn't hear them. Yeah, yeah. Unless it's a blatant, like, you know, super clam. And, and, and that usually happens almost always in, when playing the melody to a song that everybody knows. Mm -hmm. That's like where a clam can really exist. Or your hand falls off the string and you get a big open string ring out in the wrong key. Those are about the only clam. And those clam. are comedies. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and there's those times, are the funniest things. Yeah, yeah, and those you can make you can make a whole you know joke out of that. That's a routine. Yeah, waiting yeah. to happen. Yeah, I yeah. don't mind those at all. If, if you those are just funny. If you don't take yourself too seriously, if you take yourself too seriously, you're in big trouble, anyways. But that's, that's one, a whole of, other one of my best clans, straight up. We're playing Wilson Phillips at Florida Disney Disneyland, and we had to play three 30-minute sets back to back. They do a 30-minute set, audience come in, wait an hour, another 30-minute set, blah, blah, blah. and it was just, it felt like you're in deja vu mode all the time. And I started, we're into the song, and I played the last song intro over this song. So everyone's in E, and I'm in F. <laughs> oh, there you go. And it was, I mean, it was, couldn't be more beautiful, horrible as you could get. Yeah. I'm thinking, oh man, I, I, my guitar's out of tune, or I could not work it out until the halfway through the first verse. And I'm like, oh, I'm in the wrong song. <laughs> Well, there you go. That That's was a, a really good mistake. That would be a clam. That you know what I make the clam. most mistakes is on nights where you have to do two shows and they clear the house. And right. you don't have enough songs to play a completely different set. So you've got to play four or five songs again, right? And when I play that song the second time after I just played it an hour ago, something in me says you cannot play it the same even though it's a different audience <laughs> yeah. and i could easily just play it the same exact way i played it the first time something won't let me do that right right and that's when i screw up because i'm trying to figure out a million different things to play different on the song and i can't do it <laughs> and then i just completely fuck it up <laughs> and i don't know what makes me think that but it just something won't let me do it the same way twice and it just really drives me nuts <laughs> yeah, that's hard to do back-to-back -back sets that are exactly the same. I'm not crazy about those, man. I, I think that once you play a song, you shouldn't play it for at least another day. <laughs> yeah, that's what makes actually that's what makes recording so hard because usually you do both a couple yeah. takes and everything. You do it a couple takes, and it's always a waste of time because yeah. you're living with the ghost of the first. Yeah, I think that's why they always say the first take is the best one because by the time you played it two or three times, it just seems to get worse and worse. <laughs> right? You just, you know, yeah. It gets clearer and cleaner sometimes. Yeah, but it gets worse. yeah, right. Yeah, and you lose the, it. It does lose magic. Yeah, the yeah. magic does. It can disappear. for sure. It definitely can. Yeah, you know, different <laughs> when you're doing a bunch of different solo takes. When you're doing different solo takes, you're playing something different every time. But when you're playing ahead over and over and over, a lot of times the first time is the magic God, one. You, you mean, really you, mean you, you get the solo over the same solo? Yeah, I do, man. I yeah, <laughs> you know it. <laughs> That's an interesting idea. I got like a hundred tracks. I could play a hundred solos if I want. <laughs> wow. Usually I'd have to say after 10, they start getting worse. I guess, I guess my yeah. problem is the need to be in the room with the drummer. You like to be in the room with the drummer? I have to. Yeah? yeah? Uh -huh. You're not sit in the booth kind of guy or sit in the control room and your amp's in that room and you hate that? I have to feel it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think... Body. 
there's a lot of that missing nowadays. Well, you well, know that's, what? But then you see my records, that's why they're so horrible, is because I can't fix anything. No, that's I not. I can fix sweet. little things. Right. Jesus Christ, these records aren't horrible. Yeah, I don't know if horrible. You know yeah. what? If you're used to hearing drums in your monitor, which I am, then it doesn't make much difference when you're playing with a drummer and you're in the room, you're hearing through the monitor anyway. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I'm never, I'm never, unless we play the baked potato, where we're like literally on top of each other. <laughs> I don't really hear the drums in that way where, where you know, it depends on the size of rooms you're playing. But when, when we're playing on stage and you're a good, Alan doesn't want me next to him. Right. Because then he hears too much guitar and he's one of those drummers and I like these kind of drummers. There's a lot of drummers, the first thing they'll ask is, give me some kick drum and snare in the monitor, in my monitor. Right. Right? Why not just play the drums acoustically and tell the other guys, I can't hear myself, so turn the fuck down. And that's what Alan does. Right. And but Dennis Chambers, too. Right. He do, they don't use monitors. Wow. So the acoustic drums sets the president of how, how loud the band is going to be. But how does that work with you? Because you like to play loud. Well, right. I, yeah. Well, I mean, medium loud, not screaming loud. Right. Slash is loud. Right, okay. <laughs> I, I don't play anywhere near that volume. Right, right. But, but yeah, compared to a drum set, but that's why I like to get a good two or three feet away from Alan, mm -hmm. maybe four feet away yes. from Alan, so that he doesn't hear my cabinet really loud. And if he needs some more guitar, he'll tell me it's sound check. Move a little closer to me. I can't hear you well enough. Or move a little further away. Right. You play a club at the baked potato. You don't get that. <laughs> that luxury. No. And then then I then he's got my amp right next to him, and then it's harder. Yeah. You know yeah. because anytime you're squeezed together playing the kind of music that I play, it can get to be sort of like a, a rolling ball collecting more. Yeah. It just. <laughs> It gets hard. It gets hard. It gets hard. These drummers, they usually like the, the bass player being right there. Yeah. yeah. What I like to do is have the drums so that I can put some drums in my monitor and then I can hear a little bit of the drums, maybe 50% of it from the drums and 50% of it from the monitor. Right. And that way I have control of how loud the drums are and how loud I play. Do you have your guitars in the monitor? Yeah, I do that too. Do you yeah. have the guitars in your monitor? Never. Never. I don't think you need it. No. I don't want anything in the monitor. Right. No. I hate monitors. Oh, you yeah. do? Yeah. Even the vocalists? You don't like the vocalists? Oh, if I find the vocalists, yeah. Yeah. Gotta have the vocalists in the monitor. Right. Yeah. But mostly I just like the vocalists to have themselves in their own monitor and I can hear what they're hearing. Right. So That's then you can move around and get out of it and get in it. And if, you're playing with a, if you're playing louder, the sound man's always, the guitar cabinets are way more directional yeah. than bass and drums. So, yeah. so if your cabinet's pointed out toward the sound man and you're playing loud, he's always going to have a problem mixing the band. Yeah. So he's always going to say, I need the guitar to turn down a little bit, then you can't hear yourself. Yeah. So yeah. then I put a little bit in the monitor to compensate. For See, that. Right. Well, you, you know what I mean? Like, but, but then again, we're talking <laughs> volume things here. I mean, Slash is loud than him. He plays way louder than I do. Right. Scott plays way louder than I do. You know, I mean, we all have our... I mean, I'm li and I'm way louder than most jazz guitar players. Oh, for sure. I'm like the, you know, Jimmy Page. Of <laughs> you know. True. I mean, in terms of volume and oh, energy, for sure. I'm yeah. way much more aggressive yeah. and loud, especially <clears throat> in my new career. You know, but, you know, that's, everybody finds their own way. So I don't need monitors. We don't need monitors because we can adjust, we can get our sound on stage, and if we're in a big place, well, the sound man can just make sure that the house is okay but if the sound man tells me to turn down 
he usually gets re you know, somebody else comes in and does his job. Right. <laughs> because I'm gonna play to the level I think is right from like, the stage in the room. Right. Yeah. And if he can't deal with that, then he's got a problem. If he wants to control the band, then he needs to get his own band. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know. I mean his job is there is to is to make us sound good in the room. He's there isn't there to make us play a certain way. Another thing though too is that you're playing open back cabinets. Yeah. And open back cabinets don't do what closed back cabinets do. Like a lot of times I'll have to rent cabinets on the road because I play through an open back cabinet too. And I've right. always thought those are better on stage because they disperse the sound much better, you know. It allows the other musicians to hear you better and it doesn't kill the people in the in the front. But sometimes I have to rent cabinets and they're those closed back Marshall. Four by twelves. Yeah. And Jesus Christ, those things. If you're five feet to the side, you don't hear it at all. No. But if you're right front of it, it blows your head <laughs> yeah. off, right? And if yeah. it's pointed at the sound man, he's gonna have a problem. Forget about it. Yeah, right. he's gonna have a problem mixing the band because you, all you, he's gonna hear is guitar. You ever put a baffle or something in front of the amp? You do that? I can't really do that because then I won't hear clearly. Yeah. 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 I it is. It does. Gonna mess that up. It's gonna mess up the tone. Yeah. So you just I put it in the monitor, you know. Yeah. And, you know what a lot of guys don't understand about monitors is you don't. It's not like the monitor's flat. You know, I can. I, it, it, if worse comes to worse, I can even just take a towel, put it over the horn, you know, and just deaden the horn so you're only hearing the speaker. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. sound as bad as people think it does. Yeah, you know, yeah. If you take a completely unaltered monitor with the horn and just blast it. Most guitarists aren't going to like that. No. But you can easily EQ it. You can take a t shitload of 10K out of it, make it sound nice and warm. You can just put a towel over the horn. You can make it sound great. Yeah, yeah. It takes a minute, but yeah. you can do it. Yeah, I think, I think more than anything, I mean, it's a tone thing, definitely. <clears throat> but I also think just directional. To hear my plane come at me. <laughs> from my face is disorienting. Yeah. I mean, you got to get I, used I guess, to that. I guess I practice a little bit sometimes looking at the amp, you know, so that's something. And I, I guess if I knew I was going to do a big, you know, concert tour, like say all of a sudden people like jazz again, <laughs> and I started playing big places again, you know. Um, that's never going to happen. No, but if, if, if it did, and no, can we, can we just go to the hypothetical for now? Okay. So let's say it happened, you know, something let's weird Let's say you made wrong. some money. Yeah, you know, let's, let's say that like the world, something weird happened, you know, and everybody started liking shit that they didn't like before. Anyways. Um, and another time. I, I, would, another. I would probably practice at home with my amp facing just right. for, just to get you, and, and maybe do some rehearsals where the amp was in my face as opposed to behind me. Yeah, and then you know I would. I mean, I think a lot of my problems with monitors and the guitar and monitor would go away. Oh, it would. Yeah. I'm used to it. Yeah. I like to hear the detail. Right. I like to hear the meat and potatoes from the back, uh -huh. and hear a little detail from the front. Right. And then I've got the wet amp over here, so I'm kind of surrounded by this you big kind of mix image. Where you're standing, you find that sweet spot, and you mix it's yourself. Nice, you right? know, and then you yeah. hear the hear the, the 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 drums a little bit of the Christmas from the drums, and that allows me actually to play better time yeah because yeah. sometimes we play these rooms where they're it's a little boomy you know and the the drums from the the, the sound from the drums isn't crisp it's not defined mm -hmm. so putting a little hi-hat and snare in the monitor really helps to, to define the sound of the drums right it's really nice and also in a room like that where the bass where I can't even hear the notes the bass players playing all I hear is this low frequency rumble 
then it's nice to get a second monitor and just have just the mid-range of the bass in that monitor right. so that I can hear the notes he's playing. Yeah, yeah. You know, because we play a lot of rooms, man. They're not dead rooms. They're live, boomy rooms. And you're trying to play sensitive music where you need to hear each other and you can't hear each other because the room just is a wash. Yeah, yeah. So you really got to do some work on its sound check so you can hear everybody clearly and have a good show, you know. And then it changes drastically well, yeah, well, yeah, when the crowd comes it's, it's gonna, In that kind of room, it's going to change for the better when people are there. Yeah. yeah. Right. Usually, if you can get a good sound check. you get a dead room. Yeah. yeah. When you're in a dead room, you, where you can't get a note to hang in the air at all, yeah. and, and when it's empty, you know you're in shit trouble. <laughs> oh, man. Baked Potato is a hard room to play sometimes, because just about every other room in the world is is, is more live than right. Baked Potato. Baked that's Potato where, that's, is super let's face dead. It, that's where you have to yeah. go and, you know, Add, add something to it, you know. Right. You have hard. to turn up the fag juice, man. <laughs> yeah. Alvis, Alvis is, is one of my favorite rooms to yeah. play because it's just a perfect combination. Where is this? In San Pedro. San Pedro. Pedro. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it's just, it's a beautiful room, man. They've got a lot of acoustic paneling up, but it's big, but it's just the right amount of live and dead. It's yeah, just great. really, really nice. Yeah, just, yeah. And it's it's got kind of an amphitheater, yeah. but it's a wide. There's really room. no bad seats in that place. It's just a really great place <laughs> to hear music. Converted dance studio. Mm -hmm. Oh, really? Yeah. Sounds so good. Yeah, it does. Really when I'm on stage there. Of course, they got there, a great yeah. sound system and Love a great it. sound. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really great place. That's to a play. happening place to play. Hmm. My coffee's ice cold. Well, you know. <laughs> put some whiskey in it. <laughs> Uh, now, when do you, where do you guys take up next? You're off to when to do you Europe, and I'm leaving Tuesday for Europe. Tuesday, okay. And South America too, long tour. How long are you gone? Six weeks. Six weeks. I'm going to a foreign country. I'm going to Canada <laughs> on Sunday. Where about some Canada? Actually, you go? gonna I'm going to Banff. Are you got a Banff? Banff, yeah. Which I always thought sounded like dog a dog food. You know <laughs> what is it? Banff. Banff. What is that? <laughs> it's a dog food. <laughs> What's, is that a city? Yes, it's a city. It's up in the Canadian Rockies. Oh, okay. Right next to it. Uh, they had the um, Winter Olympics there. Oh, yeah, they and, did. That's right. Oh, um, wow. Uh, what what part of Canada ago. is that? It's, it's the Canadian Rockies, so it's Alberta. Alberta. Which, which is above Montana. Right, right. That's like in the middle, kind of. Middle west. Right, right, Have you been right. there before? Not there. I've been to Edmonton, Calgary. I've never been to... Uh, Banff. Banff, is, Banff is about two hours, I think, from Calgary. Right. What's that game? It's a, uh, it's like an arts center symposium. I'm just going to mentor people who are working on projects. It's a really cool thing. Wow. These people go, they're working on their own projects, whether it's whether they're doing records or writing music or uh, performing. I don't know whatever they're doing. I mean, right. and I'm there just for a week to be a mentor to anybody and to curate some concerts and performances with everybody and play. That's awesome. So you're going there by yourself? I'm going there by myself. How cool, man. And you, you'll be playing a lot as well? Yeah, I yeah. Would think so. Yeah. Uh, and I, it's, you know, I can do whatever I want, so if I'm curating the concerts, I'll probably play with the different people and do my one-man show yeah. and do all sorts of stuff like that. That's awesome. I'll be trying to finish the studio. Yeah, well, we'll be done in two <laughs> weeks. We'll, we'll be back by then. <laughs> 
I won't be back for six weeks, so you better be oh done. Oh my God, you yeah. yeah. won't be done. When you get back, it'll be it's two gonna, weeks after it's that. Gonna be, it's going to be another two weeks, not six weeks. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, the guy I've got building the, the bar, he's, he's 70 years old. He's a third generation wood craftsman. I mean, this guy's the real deal. And this is his last hurrah before he retires. And he's passing the business so off to his son. That's why he's not finishing, because he knows as soon as he's finished, he's done. Yeah. Man. And he's yeah, like... going to finish that thing, man. <laughs> but I'm walking out there every day like, oh, it's getting close. And I'm sort of pushing him. And, and he's doing amazing work. And he's such a sweetheart of a guy. But he's sort of teaching his son as he goes. Uh -huh. And I was in there the other day, and he... There was a couple of fuck-ups I think his son did, and I heard him say, oh, all right, I'll buy more wood tomorrow. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like the guys that did my house. When we, were, the, the, when we bought the house, it was a fixer-upper. Right. And had this guy who was actually a really good friend of mine from Czech Republic who's an organ player. Okay. <laughs> and um, he refurbishes Hammond organs. Oh, and wow. And he has a construction... That's why his house looks like a beef. <laughs> yeah, right. So he has a construction company... <laughs> And um, he has a construction company where he buys hot fixer-uppers and redoes them. And his, the name of his construction company is Close Enough Construction. Oh. <laughs> no, it's not. Really? Yeah. <laughs> he thought that was a good name? Yeah, he thought that was a good name. So he basically did most of it by himself and I, I was there. I'll tell you, I saw his condoms and I yeah. <laughs> Close enough condoms. <laughs> so yeah, he did the house by himself and I was his helper. Oh, right? you did that too. And it took okay. a long time. In fact, that, I, that gig gave me tennis elbow for scraping paint all day. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> Close enough. Is he still in business? Yeah, he Jesus. moved back to check check public. Yeah, that was probably a good idea. Probably yeah. means something different. Over there. <laughs> yeah, close enough. Wow. Any business called close enough? Well, I should call my business close enough music. Yeah. <laughs> it's not quite there. I heard Zawinul say a couple times about unnamed musicians, but this was one of his things he liked to say. Yeah, that guy was almost good. <laughs> almost good. That was one of his favorite things to say about people. Yeah, that guy was almost good. <laughs> that's, that's brilliant. Or the thing where he used to say about musicians on stage where he'd say, um, ladies and gentlemen, this is our drummer, you know, whoever, Kurt Covington. He's only been in the band for two weeks, but he sounds like he's been in the band for three weeks. <laughs> Amazing. That's good. Almost there. Love it. Yeah. When do you, when do you get back? In a week, uh, yeah, like a couple weeks. Oh, okay. Are you playing Wednesday night? It'll be tomorrow? Yeah. No, no. You know, no, I, tonight. Man. Tonight is Wednesday. Tonight. No, I, we, we are back there till. Uh, I don't know. We're back. Uh, let me think Good. I, I, no, yeah. Not till I get back. Not. 
you know what? My calendar's all screwed up on the phone. It's this new uh, operating system that makes it not operate. You know, you know, I love that. You love that. I need to. I, I'll just come and see you. You know, I told I told you I had that friend, that, this dentist, who's a huge jazz fan. And he really wants to see you play, but I'll have to wait till I get back to bring him down there. Yeah, uh, he wants to. He wants to go. I'll have to wait till I get back in town. My calendar's frozen. Really? OS nine? Yeah. I have it too. There's some things I don't like about it. Man, it's it's good. You know, this is bad. It's just totally. Mine is frozen like twice. Yeah. OS nine. Okay. Yeah, I'm not digging it. Anyways, I've got to call him because you know. I've got to make sure. And then Cowbop's playing, too. Mm -hmm. I don't know where. And you I'm, went doing, I'm doing the red guitar, though, tomorrow night. Oh, okay. Where Up in Ventura. Oh, wow. It's called Squash Grapes. Squash Grapes? It's a wine, it's a wine kind of bar that became a jazz concert place. Mm. That sounds cool. It's cool, yeah. It's going to be good, and I got to... Thank you. I got You're up in Detco land. Yeah, up in Detco. Sure He'll Deco. probably come. Yeah, Detco will be there. Yeah. And... Uh, Oh, did you get this? I did. No way. No way, guys. guys. Wow. My, my Mr. Professional yeah, Studio yeah, God. Yeah, really. <laughs> Thanks, I, man. No, like, not only is Troy our, our sidekick, but he's also the executive producer. Wow. And studio owner. And, wow. Uh, so, it's a, so it's a company, okay. company he's breakfast. Also, he's also our pet Australian. <laughs> right? I'm the one that keeps it together. Everybody needs a pet Australian these days. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're awesome. so impassioned, you know what I mean? It's like awesome. those, those Gucci bags and shit, and those weird Ray-Bans. I mean, you need an Australian. Yeah, yeah,